Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. You want to know the essence of fly fishing? It's when that snout packs out, comes up, eats your bug, goes down, you wait, there's that moment of anticipation right there before you set. And even when you're setting, are you going to come tight? That's my world, That's it. right? Sorry. That's it. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. It's good. Like, you really want to hook them, right? Let me say, you know, it's not always about the fish. Yeah. But that moment, that's, that's enough. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Lee. Welcome back for another episode of the Ozark Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Veet, and I am joined by frequent co-host of the show and my good buddy, Kyle Plunkett. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We, uh, we made the drive over here. If, if you're watching the, the video uh, on Instagram, you can see clearly, you kind of have an idea of where we're at. Um, we drove over here, got up really early this morning, and took off, headed two and a half hours east over to the White River to hang out with our guest, which is actually, we have a first for the Ozark podcast. Um, we're welcome, welcoming back a guest that we've had before for the second time. Because we just like hanging out with him so much. <laughs> and, uh, sure. And, and so, without further ado, I want to welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Steve Daly of Daly's Ozark Fly Fisher. How are you? Well, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, uh, you know, uh, whether you guys are short on good clients this week or something, <laughs> good people to interview because to get me back for a second time. Yeah. Uh, it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, we, uh, we were talking and uh, wanted to do, obviously, it's, we're getting into the summer. And, um, I mean, we've been in the summer. It's been so hot and dry here. Everyone knows if, if you live here. <laughs> Apart from the last 24 hours. Except for part. literally the last 24 hours. <clears throat> um, and so we were talking about, man, we want to do, we want to do an episode on hopper fishing. Cause we know that's, it's something that I've seen on Instagram and on Facebook and social media and have, have done a little bit last year. Um, and it's just super cool and wanted to talk specifically about hoppers with you. But real quick, before we get into that, you want to tell people where we're at? Oh, we're at Rim Shoals Resort, um, right next to the Rim Shoals Access, uh, just downstream from Cotter. So we're about 21 miles from Bull Shoals Dam. And one of my favorite stretches of river, and you know, actually the owners are some of my favorite people. That's why we're sitting here in this nice pavilion, in case it rained. Yeah. Um, but no, fish here a lot, love this stretch of river, and it's gorgeous and yeah, hopefully we'll get out on it a bit. Yeah, yeah. Our our goal is as long as the rain holds off and everything looks good, hopefully we can get on the water for a little bit and actually fish some of these tactics that mm. that we'll get to with hopper fishing. Just you got to stop me talking. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, real quick, wanted to just say thanks to to Gary Flippin and, and Abe uh, with Rimshoals Resort for for letting us come do this and, and film out here on their on their place. Awesome place. If you guys haven't been, make sure you come check it out. Yeah, really good place to stay. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk hoppers. Uh, and, and before we get into tactics, let's just kind of say, when we say hopper fishing, and we're talking about 
throwing foam, as people might call it or, or might hear it. What are we actually talking about? Well, here I prefer to use the term terrestrials, honestly, because if you look at the bank behind us, um, there's trees, there's there's some patches of grass, but there's trees and flowers and all sorts of other vegetation other than pure um, meadow-type grass, lawn. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, I hate the sight of lawn on this river. But those those trees and those the the grass beds and the um, the native cane and let's say at this time of year all the sunflowers and uh, actually I used to know what that flower is called my wife would um, I just worry about the fish yeah but it is but these things all provide habitat for the bugs and it's not just a hopper you know there is. There is leaf hoppers up in the trees as well as grasshoppers. There's katydids. There's um, uh, all sorts of beetles and bugs, um, beetles and like those big ants, like big sure. ants. Yeah. And then we have you know the, like the cow killer ant. Yeah. Right. You see crawling around, which is kind of a wasp, really. But um, and then you have my favourite, which we were hearing. If you listen carefully, I hear them. The, the annual cicadas, and there's like a bunch of species in different colours of those. And then every 13 years, of course, the cicada that everyone wants to talk about, the annual cicada. Yeah. But the periodic, the, sorry, the an, periodic 13-year cicadas is the one everyone wants to talk about. But the annual cicadas to me are an awesome bug, and I imitate those a bunch. Really? Yeah. And for a long time, that was one of the things, for a long time I was told that they don't get eaten. <laughs> I don't know if I should be sharing this, but I mean, one, it's one of the most one of the most popular fly patterns here is a cicada. Yeah. Well, and if you spend any time outside, you hear them. Yeah. And as an observer and as an outdoorsman, you might think that, hey, there's a lot of those around. I'm sure the fish aren't saying, turning their nose up to it and like, oh, no, I don't want that. Yeah, and I get I get identified as a streamer fish in so much because of so much of the stuff we've done and some of the fly patterns I've designed and... I love this time of year. Like I, the first ever, first ever real trout I caught, real brown trout I ever caught was on a Dave's hopper. You know, Dave Whitlock's wool-bodied, yep. yellow deer head hopper on a, the Tyena River in Tasmania, and I actually worked out where I needed to get the drift. And it took me a bunch of it, <laughs> it took me a bunch of visits to catch this fish that was rising under a tree. And by White River terms, it wasn't that big. But that, to me, was an evolution in my fly fishing. So to have that connection with Whitlock, who I saw on the banks of the White River on Saturday, mm-hmm. to have that connection with Whitlock here, it's like, you actually think back and it's like, dang, that's kind of coincidental but kind of special too. Yeah, super special. But so all that... come. Ooh, uh, so to come back from that... This is my favourite way to fish here. Mm, mm. I love floating a big terrestrial of whatever style down these banks and hunting these big brown trout because one of the other things I was told when I first moved here, brown trout only live in the deep holes. Well, not if you're in Tasmania, they don't. They go shallow to feed, right? They're on those banks tight Mm -hmm. because that's where they can get away from current and there's this smorgasbord of food coming past them. I like it's, it's like the <laughs> what's your favorite buffet? It's like going to Vegas and having oysters come past <laughs> you and shrimp and yeah. you know that's what that's what it is for them. 
and they can get over there and eat these big lumps of protein, be covered, and at this sort of water flow we've got behind us, like 18,000 CFS, they're 20 foot back under, under trees. Yeah. So some of their predators can't get at them. Right. They've got some cover, they feel safe, comfy. And feed and, all day long. Yeah. It's, it's shady under there. Yeah. It's nice, right? So they're happy and I'm happy. And you're happy. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's my happy place, really. You said that's your, it's your favorite way to fish. Absolutely. Really? Yep. I would take one fly, one fly. I mean, dry fly fishing, I think we did on the last yeah, episode, is you, my favourite way to you fish. You talk about just dry fly. And well, people say, oh, two flies, hopper, dropper. No, I don't want to do that. Just simplify it. Simplify it. Come down. One yeah. person, one rod, one fly, yeah. one fish. Yeah. If yeah. I can see them, it's even better. Mm. But I'll take drifting a bank cause I, and, and fishing the spots, right? But, yeah, that's and, – and, and even then in that, everything else is fun – Right, the casting, making sure you can get your fly where you need it. Right. That is all really cool. But you want to know the essence of fly fishing? It's when that snout packs out, comes up, eats your bug, goes down, you wait. There's that moment of anticipation right there before you set. And even when you're setting, are you going to come tight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my world. That's it. Right? That's, so That's it. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. And it's good. Like, you really want to hook them, <laughs> right? <laughs> they say, you know, it's not always about the fish. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that moment... That's, that's that's enough. That's where it's you at. You know, I could I could I could live on a diet of that, you know. Just <laughs> if you could package that feeling oh, yeah. up and put it oh, in yeah. a bottle. Oh, oh, it's way more it pleasant would be than... it would way be illegal. But you know, oh, just sure. give me that adrenaline <laughs> rush yeah. now. That's way more pleasant than freezing cold and, and huge streamers oh, yeah. all day long, I imagine too. I mean yeah, I know. Yeah, I know the hardcore guys love the sound of that, but I would much rather sit in shorts on a boat and yeah. and throw streamers or throw yeah. hoppers at Browns undercover all day. And have a, have a cold beer. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's, here's the other point too. The backdrop of the alternative, say on a day where there's a bunch of rain, you've got pop-up thunderstorms and you lose the bite for a little bit if the rain gets really heavy, go streamer fishing. Yeah. Pull mm-hmm. out the big gift. Yeah. And if you've ever done, if you ever found streamer fishing and winter hard work with all the Gore-Tex and, you know, puffy jackets and <laughs> hoods and gloves and all the crap we have to put up with... Go and do it in shorts and flip-flops yeah. and a T-shirt. You know, it's like it's so much more fun. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. What about um, in terms of kind of like the history of hopper fishing on the white specifically, has this always been something that people are like gravitating to hopper fishing or yeah, has it kind of gotten more was, popular? Well, everything's got more popular here because of numbers of people and it's been refined. But I came, when I came to the white, it was a thing. Like the older guides that were here at the shop when I started, both here and at Beaver, was they they all fished hoppers at the right time. Okay. Um, what has evolved, I think, over time is we've refined it and there's more people doing it. And the fly patterns, I think, these days are better suited for the type of water we have, the big flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and Is that because they're bigger and, and float better? Or just yeah, refined just over the years? <laughs> Better patterns. A um, lot more foam. Okay. Um, foam isn't the name of, totally the name of the game, but dragging the right patterns from other places yeah. that have popped up in that last, you know, I've, I came here in 2007, so that's it's 
quite a way a long time of evolution of fly fishing gear. Right. And more people boat fishing too. Yeah. Like there was it was kind of an underground thing. You know, there was there was and the number of guides was way less, right? Yeah, so there's true. the number of guides that were out here in summer um, really weren't fishing. Because that's the other thing. When I first arrived, people said, oh, we don't want to fish. It's too hot. Mm-hmm. You all have got too much damn air conditioning. Get out there and live a little. <laughs> you know? when, I was a, when I was a kid in Australia, it's like, heat stroke? No, go outside and play cricket. Yeah. <laughs> get, it, out, get out from right in front of the TV. <laughs> if you're hot, jump in the water. Yeah, it's like, and, and here, you know, we've got, it's way cooler here than it is up in Mountain Home at the fly shop. It is way nicer on this river. Um, the gear we're wearing now, like mm-hmm. the whole, man, if you were wearing a, a button-down shirt, you weren't, you weren't fly fishing. Yeah. Right? If you were wearing, you weren't wearing a button-down shirt, you were fly fishing. You mm-hmm. had to have a net and a vest and all that stuff. Oh, to like look the part and feel like you're fly well, fishing. feel like you're fly fishing. That, yeah. was, that was the essential gear. Yeah. You guys are both, I'm, I'm in a collared shirt today because I'm trying to look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and failing, 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 failing dramatically. <laughs> Thanks for dressing up for us. But at least I'm, all right, I am promoting Sims. There you go. Um, but you guys are both wearing shirts. Modern shirts that are super breathable and air permeable. So when you get hot, you get that little bit of breeze we've come, yeah, come past. Yeah, you can feel it come yeah, through. Yeah, you can feel it come through and it wicks away. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with cotton. Cotton has a whole bunch of... <laughs> and there's a reason I'm mentioning this is one person's going <laughs> to be nodding his head, right? <laughs> okay. But cotton is cotton can be really good until it gets sodden, right? Yeah. Like it's a really good cooling material. It's mm-hmm. been used as a natural fibre. But some of the modern stuff will work really well too, especially if you've got moving air. Yeah. Okay? Okay. And, you know, hell, you can hear the boat coming. Yeah. Um, you got jump some good a- ambient sounds, some natural yeah. sounds you from jump, the water. You jump in the boat. If I want to cool my customers off, they get too hot, we'll go for a run. Yeah. Yep. And you get a little bit of mist on that high water and bang. Boom. Yeah. It's, it's nice and cool again. Yeah. Yeah. So, the other thing, hydrate yourself a bunch if you're going to do this hopper fishing. Um, loose clothing. You know, people don't want to wear white. Wear white. You know, okay, it's going to get dirty. Mm. But wear white on these really hot days like we've had. Like, if we keep getting these summers like this, um, I've already had one customer with heat stroke this year, and really? I actually got dizzy in the boat one day. Really? Yeah, I drank too much coffee in the morning, didn't stop it. So, yeah. I'm actually been, I've been super hydrating myself during the day. I'm going through like three big Yetis a day of just ice and lemon water just to keep it out. Keep and, it hydrated. And I keep, right, can, you, can I say this in this podcast? I don't pee. I'm just sweating <laughs> it all out. And like I'm going through Yetis after Yetis, like the big ramblers. Oh, you're, it's just 32, sweating out of 32 you. 32 ounce and it's just sweating out and I stay cool. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Wear a buff, you know, you can skin cancer. Yeah, you can say so, the behind so, the scenes, the the real the real behind the scenes of a guide life. Yeah, but because I'm sitting there, I'm sitting down, so I'm less exposed to the air, right? Um, unless we're moving the boat, and I'm also the poor bugger rowing. Yeah, but all these guides out here, if if you're not drinking an unbelievable amount of water, you're going to come off the end of the day and you're going to be dehydrated. Yeah, that's not good for anyone. No. Dehydration sucks, yeah. and it's really bad for you long term. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to hydrate almost like, I mean, you're Pre-hydrate. working hard. Like, 
almost like an athlete. Like you're you're rowing all day long. Absolutely. And I know, <laughs> I know you were you, you were just talking about a minute ago. You you played uh, semi pro soccer for up and up until your thirties. You right? said the wrong word. Uh oh, it's football. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Come on, football. Australian football. Yeah, uh, and as I got older, it got it got lower and lower levels. I tell you, I just got slower and dirtier. Um, but you. It's you know what it is. You play smarter, yeah. and it's like being smart out here. I I never like drinking plain water, mm-hmm. but I, this year I am going through it in buckets. Yeah, wow. just unbelievable amounts actually. Um, so yeah, but rowing for any of these guides out here, I, I know it's not just me. It, it is. You're just working all day. So yeah, absolutely. And it's not. That's not going. I want sympathy or anything. I choose to do it. It's no, fun. yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, you're you're working. Right, yeah. You gotta you gotta stay hydrated for sure. So I want to get into to tactics. Um, I want to talk like, how do you do this? You know, how do you get out in the water? Uh, we've talked about kind of what you need to know, what what you're trying to imitate. Kyle and I, we actually came out here last summer and we tried our hand at it. And you know, we had we had maybe heard one or two podcasts talking about it, but not specific to the White River. Um, and so that was another thing that kind of stimulated this idea of let's talk with Steve. Let's see, like, how do you do this right? What do you need to know? Because we came out and just kind of tried it on a whim. Uh, it's also our first day of rowing. Yeah. We just got the oars on yeah, the Yeah, we had just gotten the oars. So it was a very, was you know, pain. we were figuring yeah. everything out, right? Yeah. So uh, start off gear-wise, you know, five weights or six weights. I like six weights for a lot of people because it's, you, especially when you get a wind and you get upstream winds on this river. Um I like a fast rod, but it doesn't have to be a fast rod. You need a rod that you can cast some distance, though. And um, like anything, pick the rod you can cast easiest and don't have to think about as much. Yeah. Um, I'm running generally like heavy leaders, 2X. Okay. Really? On my big bugs, 2X or 3X. Small, if I'm fishing smaller beetles, 3X, but generally... Generally, I like fishing 2X, and I'll fish, depending on the caster, fish a a 7.5-footer... With some tippet. Okay. Um, on, if you're not as good a caster, if you can really cast, we might go to nine feet. Yeah. Just to get, these fish have seen a lot. You're not the only one doing it, right? Yeah, right. So you want to try and keep, the part of this whole thing is keeping that fly away from your fly line. Okay. Lose that that immediacy between the two. Yeah, so have, have so a that little bit sort of, of distance. Gear. And then you want to have, you want to have a fly box with some of the weirdest colored natural imitations you've ever seen. Okay. So, pink works. Don't know why. Don't don't know why, but I could not catch a fish last October in pink. Oh. If I didn't have a pink bug on. Oh, if you didn't have pink on. Yep. Yeah. I could catch them all day on pink. And that was October, end of season, really? right? And the water was down. My last my last good fish was uh, a big fish. It's like 25, 26 inches on October 26th. Wow. That's into hunting season. Yeah. Well, how? What is the season like? When does it start then? Um, so you want to go back to history? Like we were talking history a minute ago. There was a gentleman here by the name of Hank Wilson. He's now living in Belize. He was uh, uh, the head guide for Gaston's for a long year, and he long time. And he came up with an ant pattern. Uh, he called a bulbous by visible, and it was kind of like if anyone knows the old school by visible. Caddis pattern, it's just two tones of hackle. Okay. Right? So you can see it. But he put foam on each end, double hackle in the middle so you can see it. And he used to fish those all year round up at Bull Shoals Dam when the water was low, like 
brown trout like eating off the top. Yeah. Never forget it. Yeah. They really are oriented. Year-round. Yeah. You fish that way. Yeah. Wow. And um, you can catch big rainbows like that up there too, and that was a low water thing, minimum flow, right? It was, it was back before minimum flow, 50 CFS. And so I learned that, and that was some of the first stuff we do. And I'd, I would start in with Chernobyl ants at Bull Shoals Dam in low, lower flows, like under uh, one and a half units. So okay. four th- under 4,000 CFS floating around up there, fishing Chernobyl ants in May and getting bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but truly when it starts, if you want to look at the, the prime time, it's probably June. Okay. Like we've been catching them in June. May you're tending to get, like this year the sulphur hatch has been so good. So we have this progression of caddis and, well, some years it's shad on top, caddis in Ma, in April, May, sulphurs, and then you walk into the terrestrials and they kind of seamlessly blend, which right. has been this year, which has been awesome. Yeah. Last year was pretty good too. Sounds like your dream year. Yeah. Yeah, lots yeah. of dry. Except I never got to fish the sulphurs. I just, it was, we were doing other things and yeah. I, was, I was doing a lot of basic teaching. Okay, yeah. And some of that stuff's a little technical anyway. Uh, so that season, you want to come prime time? I'm going to say July, August, September. Okay. And some years it'll go longer, some years it'll go shorter. You know, if we get really cold, that was the other thing about it. Like, I think it was uh, 2011... Ben Levin and I rode over to that far bank and fished in October in his shirt sleeves for streamer browns. <laughs> and October, when I first arrived in Arkansas, was, it was you'd had freezes. Uh-huh. Like as soon as that sun got down late in the day, right. there was those little tiny caddis popping off and it was little tan fall caddis here. And that was a sign because it was cold, mm-hmm. right? Now, we're in shorts and shirt sleeves into October and so, into, even into November, yeah. you know? yeah. So things are changing. Our environment is changing what we're doing. Does, so. does the dry like weather that we've had, does that in, like increase it? Does it make it happen sooner where hoppers are coming out sooner because there's drier grass and they're jumping in, terrestrials are coming in the water, or does it affect it at all? Uh, certainly. So dry conditions out off the river yeah. because this mist waters all the plants along the bank. Gotcha, okay. Right? You get out there in the morning and there's all that. You can see the mist hanging on the tree leaves and in the, the, the cobwebs, right, which is spectacular. Yeah. And that, that provides this microclimate along the river that this is moist, still good, juicy green foliage yeah. that bugs like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. But you go back, you go back to the, off the floodplain, and it's brown and dry. Yeah. So what does everything do? Come to the river. Moves to the water. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So we'll, dry years are really good, but I've had, it, it's funny, everything moves cyclical. Um, I really would, the one thing I'd really like is consistent water. Yeah. Like we had a, our best hopper year in the last decade was a year we had 7,000 CFS through like the last week of July till the second week of September and it was just wow. insane. Just super and consistent. It was like being on a western river because you'd go, there's a fish behind that rock and you knew because you'd caught him two days ago. Yeah. And <laughs> let's go hit him again and he's still there, wow. right? That's crazy. But we don't get to do that. Like, you know, you float out west and they, they know they identify these places really well. Whereas with this up and down water, you're going, well, I, he was there I think he's moved up a bit, but he might be in that spot or he might be over here on the other side of the river. So there's some movement around. Yeah. But 
it's still really good. Yeah. Like at 20,000, I'm not as keen over 20,000 CFS. Okay. But I'll come out here and fish them in minimum flow. I will come and fish them every level. Yeah. All the way up to 20,000 CFS. Yeah. And you can get them. Wow. We're running 18 today. Is that right? Sure. I haven't looked. <laughs> I had to talk to you guys. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'll, I'll go out and fish. Yeah. Okay? Um, they're over there under the trees. There we go. Uh, <laughs> That's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. Go to the trees. So, um, so, you got, so you got gear. We yep. talked about gear. This, you need a boat. This is what, okay, you need a boat. You got to have a boat. Can, can you wade fish sure. on like a low flow day where you're, yep. you're, you're terrestrial fishing? The best traditional actual hopper hatch I've seen was the year I arrived here and it was 2007 and <laughs> my wife and I got in trouble because we were down fishing in the shoal down here Okay, and we might get reported to Health and Human Services for this <laughs> but we dropped our, our two teenage girls at school and this is before we, they'd had cell phones and stuff like that at high school in Mountain Home. It's first day at a new school and we were late picking them up because we were out here having such good fun in this hatch. And there was a really good hopper hatch this year that you could actually see them at 10 o'clock in the morning when the grass warmed up. You'd see them coming out and falling oh, on the water. that's cool. Wow, cool. And there was a little size 10 and a size 10 Charlie Boy hopper was awesome. I haven't seen another hatch like that mm. in that time. Yeah. And it's something of environmental conditions because we have so many species of these bugs. It's such a smorgasbord, a variety of food sources and they're all cyclical. Like you talk to the Western guides, you know, they talk about a seven-year cycle on, on, on their hoppers. We have so many bugs that these cycles are mixing and it's, you know, it's fun figuring out what you get. Like yeah. right now, the last two years, Japanese beetles have been huge, early season particularly. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, they're everywhere. you go and look, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why a small beetle has become really good here, a small round beetle. Um, and uh, the, pat- the, the fulling mill pattern... Uh, the psycho ant, which mm-hmm. looks like two Japanese beetles tied together, yeah. you know. Um, but then I still love throwing the cicadas and occasionally I'll throw a real hopper and um, I've got some – a Moorish hopper in green looks exactly like one of those big leaf hoppers we get on the we get on the banks here too in the trees. Yeah. Because don't forget, they're falling out of the trees and falling off the grass. Yeah. So um, – and – Basically, the technique, if you like, um, the easy way to think about it is have your fly in bigger flows, is have your fly moving just on the slow side of the current, closest to the bank. Okay. Now, how you actually achieve that, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because there's always that, there's always that uh, slick strip of water, especially which gets bigger as your water comes up, mm-hmm, right? right? So you might have at... 5,000 CFS, it might be a foot wide. And then at 20,000 CFS, it might be seven or eight feet across gotcha. moving down the bank. And that's that slow pit water where they're going to sit to access the food that's coming past in the current. Okay. So you want it just on the other side of the moving water? Just on you still the, want slow, it, you still the slower want it, water? You still, you, still want it, you still want it to be able to move. Look for okay. the current. And yeah. that's the biggest thing that I, I see from people in the boat is they don't recognize the current. Mm. They just plop it in dead water and it sits there until it the, can't. the current takes the fly line away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that in itself isn't a terrible tactic. Okay. Because you still could put it in front of a fish, mm-hmm. but just pick it up before the, 
fly line loops, yeah. right? You're just prospecting. You can go and drop it into some of those little dead pockets. Mm-hmm. They'll sit in there. But in those dead pockets, they're not so much stationary facing up current. If the pocket's big enough, they'll actually lap it. They're moving around. Moving around. Okay. They're, they're acting like they're in a lake, yeah. right? So you're trying to get it in front of them and, and see. So that's why I call it prospecting. You're just coming down, plop, pick up, plop, right? Gotcha. But, but the easier way is find that current moving along the bank and if it's out off the bank, put it on the edge. Mm-hmm. If it's rolling along the grass, you need to be on the grass. You need to be right there. As Chad Johnson, and I wish I had written this, as a guy who prides himself as a wordsmith, <laughs> Chad, came up, Chad came up with this. My boy Mississippi, he said, just put it between the water and the dirt. <laughs> um, he's also incredibly funny. So the – but. That's it. And that's why you ask me most of the time I don't fish a dropper. That's why. Because yeah. if, if I'm telling you to put it on the grass, then your dropper is going to be three feet up in the grass. Right. Right? Yeah. It's just a harder task. And I'm all about – hopper fishing here is probably about as hard as you can get because, the, because mm. of the tra- overhanging trees mm-hmm. and the water flow, yeah. the currents you've got to deal with. Um, and we'll go more into that. But that makes it really hard. And the fish are big. Yeah. Your potential here is enormous. Right. Um, there's not many of them, but I know two guides <laughs> who've got 30-inch fish for their customers. This on year, hoppers. not this year. Okay. It's two in the last. It's two in the last ten years. Yeah. 30-inch fish on a hopper. Wow, yeah. that's unreal. Yeah, and, it is. And just and for, for anyone who doesn't know, when you when you hit the 30-inch mark, that's that's something to behold, right? That's yeah. like that's like that's like world, that's like world class. Yeah. Like you know, a lot of parts in America, twenty inches is a trophy. Yeah, and we toss them back without looking at them because you know? <laughs> that's the nature of this river. We look at two feet as being a trophy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that much bigger. Yeah, um, uh, and it's probably a twelve pound fish. Could be fifteen, wow. depending on its girth. Um, but you know, you're you're really expecting fish from that. What you're really looking for. Is I'm, I think I'm doing a good job when I'm catching them 22 to 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beyond that, it's like, yeah, you're really doing something, and they're there, yeah. and you can get them. Wow, is it that's awesome? <laughs> is is the hopper game when you're fishing it? Is it is it a numbers game? Are you going to be catching them like, you know, obviously I know it's going to depend on the day, but are you? Some days. Is it just like you're going to catch ten in one day? Is it if you catch one in one day, that's amazing? Or how, what's it look like normally? It could be one cast. Um, you know that this year so far, I think I'm averaging, you know, six or seven fish a day with one guy in the yeah. boat. That's and two big. guys doesn't – two and, and yeah, you've, if you're fishing a little fish, yeah, and sometimes that happens that all the little fish are going. But, you know, you're fishing, you might get a dozen. Yeah. You might get – you might get four. Right. But you, you get four good ones. Say it's a dozen yeah. or four fish that you're – you want on Instagram. Yeah. That's that type of fish. Yeah. You want a so, picture with that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, you know, I never regard it as a, as a numbers game, but it's like the it's it's that can you – because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going, you, that can go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you do, <laughs> whatever you do, don't stand on the line coming off the floor of the boat. Mm. That, okay. was, that was last week. Okay. The guy takes was, it and runs. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Uh um, um, and I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to pick on him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name, or whatever. But if you ever listen to this, he'll he'll remember. Yeah, but it was just, and he'd been having some 
he worked himself into a corner that he wasn't in a good headspace, like because he was missing fish. Yeah, and, and you it's get really it's yeah, and we finally hooked a good one, and it was it was substantial. Never really got a totally good look at it, but the eat was like, mm-hmm. mm, that's it. And then it swam off the bank to the boat, saw the bank, and then ran upstream, pulling drag. Wow. And like he did everything perfect. It's like not a it was small just fish. just nothing. No. No, no, no. When they run towards the middle of the river and then go, oh, nope, that's a boat. I'm going upstream. It's usually pretty good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm starting to get excited because it's like, finally, this is redemption. Yeah. And I look down and it's like, lift your left foot, lift your left foot, lift your. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it's only ever happened to me twice here. But it, and the other time was my tarpon guide. <laughs> so it's the last person you ever think would do it because they, they train that all the time. Right. But it's like, there's so many. You know, Gallup said it. And he, Gallup said it years ago, and I interviewed him for the for the streamer video, uh, chasing the donkey. He said, uh, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. You got to get so many things, little things, right to catch these fish, these giants. And then you got to get the damn things in the boat. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. getting them to eat is hard <laughs> enough. Yeah, um, it's half the battle. Yeah, and and. But there are things you can do to make it easier. I watch people in the boat all the time and there's, there's – there's, do things the hard way. Yeah. There's fly fishers – fly fishing's – A, fly fishing's hard enough, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to be a challenge, mm-hmm. right? So we know it's harder. You should be able to ex- – you have to learn to accept failure to be a good fly fisher. Sure. Doesn't mean you like it, but you've got to learn to, you know, put it behind you. It's, yeah. it's your next cast. It's not the last cast. Right. Learn from it. So the first one, and and people forget about it, if is if if you do archery or golf, you know about body alignment, and but your stance and how you're aligned to your target in fly fishing is really important mm-hmm. because everything we're going to doing is we want to throw it out in front of the boat, right? right? So having your body in a position which makes that easy allows you to do it. Like, if you're facing 90 degrees to the side of the boat, you're going to throw 90 degrees to the side of the boat. And what I see a lot of people doing is actually crossing their feet up. Like, if you want to do a target cast as a right-hand fly fisher, you'll push your right foot forward and be in a closed stance, right? Your hips are closed to your target. Yeah. Whereas a power cast for a saltwater caster, and how I cast, is right foot back, open your hips up, and it'll kind of align your hips and shoulders to your target, okay? Okay. And now your arm is free to make a powerful cast. Sure. If you're closed, it's fine. I'll target shoot at short range like that, but I'm only really using my wrist. I'm not using my arm. You're not able to open up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And if you're – I watch a lot of people because they, they get themselves kind of tight to the edges of the boat and their feet are in terrible position. They're trying to cross cast across their body. Mm. Um, that's the other thing. I see a lot of people trying to cast over their wrong shoulder, right? Cast with the right hand, but the rod tip path is moving over their left shoulder. Oh. Worst cast in the damn world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weak, mm-hmm. right? It is I, – I got an email from an FF casting instructor showing – teaching people how to do that. And I was like, just burn the damn instructions. <laughs> it's terrible. It doesn't fish well unless you're throwing 10 feet waiting. Yeah. If you're trying to do anything with purpose – like throw a heavy nymph rig um, on this river, throw a streamer, throw a hopper, um, push a sulphur out, 
push a caddis out in front of a fish, throw over your good shoulder. It's what the good Lord gave you a yeah. dominant shoulder for was to put it in front of a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make shit harder for yourself, right? Yeah, right. This has been a huge bugbear for me because it's such a weak, and weak cast and it invariably sends the fly up to your right back behind the boat. And now I'm having to row harder to chase back, try and get it mm-hmm. in position to right. fix your dumb ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I had a guy in the boat one day and, like, I'm trying to orient him off a clock and throw it 11 o'clock, throw it, you know, 12 o'clock facing towards the bank. Right. That's the way he's facing, throw it, throw to 11 o'clock, throw yeah. to 11 o'clock, throw to 11 o'clock. Dude, do you own anything other than digital watches? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what 11 o'clock means? <laughs> Because, I mean, truthfully, who doesn't? Yeah. These days. Yeah. Now every day, everything is on your phone or on your Apple Watch yeah. or whatever. So if we're thinking body placement and boat placement, motor is facing downriver. Yep. You're in the middle with the oars. Yep. You got somebody on the front, somebody yep. behind you. Yep. And when yep. you're saying 11 o'clock, you're casting downriver, yes. but in front of you uh, or in front of the, the, the fly caster. So you're yes. not you're not dragging it through the water. I'm just Absolutely thinking about not. people listening and no, trying no. to get an idea of what it's looking okay. like. So you're going you're you're putting the f- fish the future, not the past. Yeah. Right, right. Sure. You want it out. Um, in front. You ask, yes, you want it out in front of the boat. The other thing that 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 does fishing downstream is is that it naturally it will put the fly out ahead of the fly line. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. now it's you got your fly line is your fly is ten feet away. The first thing that brown trout sees. Is your bug. Yeah. 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 Floating along, nice and natural. He's not scared because one of the things that scares them is the sight of something horizontal coming across the stream because mm. it throws a shadow. And instead of, like, if you're fly first, you've only got the bug shadow, right? Whereas now, because it's, it's going to show on the bottom. We've got clear water here. Right. We forget mm. how much light is in this water. Yeah. And if you're throwing 90 degrees to the boat... Now you've got this shadow that's this big long line yeah. out to the right, and it's like, what the hell is that? Tied and to the actually, I don't food. think they know what the hell is that. I think they know, don't eat that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's connected out, to something. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a line, and again, yeah. these fish are these are experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may get to this, but when you're casting that, um, how far are you typically casting? Are you trying to like put some distance between you and the boat? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, the question is, because it, 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 it comes back to geometry. Mm-hmm. How far can you cast it and still be in the where you need to be on the bank? Yeah. Because as you rotate further, as you cast further, what people tend to do is get further out in the stream. Right. And now they're not where they need to be. They're you need far. to be in that. You need to be in that zone yeah. where yeah. the fish are going to be. So don't cast. And here's the other thing. Don't cast so far that you you cannot mend it properly and control mm. that line. Mm. And you've got to be able to get a hook set. Right. All right? Yeah. So all these things play in. And for every person that there is a magic number that is their magic distance, they can do all these things well. And it varies from person to person. Gotcha. Okay. My magic number is pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> Just fair warning. <laughs> Try not to go there. <laughs> You're setting them up for a yeah, good I joke know. there, Carl. I know. Just waiting to see how you take it. <laughs> So it depends on the person. You kind of, with yeah. your clients, you kind of feel out what, what they yeah. can do comfortably, what their distance Just watch is. and feel. And, and it's the same thing with you. Watch, 
you know how far you can cast yeah. and feel comfortable. If you're feeling if you're feeling a little nervous, yeah, yeah, back it off. Come back in tighter towards more towards the perpendicular, but get a little downstream. Okay. Um. And we kind okay, of, so we kind of derailed you there we, for a little bit, but you're talking okay. about body so position. So step step two is step two. Once you've got that, is keep everything in front of you. Yeah. Right. Because I operate off. Fly casting is best done in straight lines, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You can I can cast around corners, but it's really hard when you're moving direction, 90-degree shifts, right? None of us are accurate or powerful, right? And the reason I'm talking powerful is you want to be able to put a controlled loop in amongst these trees. You've got some fairly small holes you're pushing them between. Right. Especially when the water's up high like this, uh-huh. you're that much closer to the oh, yeah. to the trees, right? That's why twenty four thousand so hard because you may you may the water might be touching most of the trees that <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> are overhanging. Yeah. They got leaves on them, and yeah. you know. But the other thing about keeping in front of you, it plays into that whole thing of I'm going to be fishing downstream and have my cast there. Mm-hmm. So I'm facing that way. I don't want to. I don't want to keep fishing it back up until the boat's past it because your flies are in slower water and your guide is rowing his butt off but eventually he's going to go to hell with it and just let that boat go because he cannot keep your fly in front of the boat all day in 20,000 CFS, 18,000, 14,000, right? So you need to be able to pick up that cast and move it to your next target, right? Okay. With power and accuracy. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, don't forget, the boat's always getting closer. We need to ask me that question in a minute again okay. about the boat getting closer. Okay. So, but by keeping it in a relative, relatively straight line, about the same distance of line out there, most people can pick it up and put it down with some accuracy. Right? And you can continually make that same cast over and over. You know where you're going to put it. You kind of get groove yeah. to it, right? It becomes repeatable. The muscle memory kind of... But if you start letting it drag up behind the boat and your guide's not yelling at you because he's, you know, gasping for breath. Um, <laughs> he's tired. Or he's just gone. Just dehydrated. Damn to hell with this, you know. <laughs> um, then you're, it's really hard for you to make that change of position. Gotcha. Right? It's yeah. harder. So yeah. you're better off just picking up and going. Yeah. I mean, dry fly nymph fishing, we've all experienced it. Cast short, drift long. Dry fly fishing, cast long, drift short. Hmm. You only need to drift as long as you need to to get a bite. Yeah. Or pick it up and move it again. It's more about putting in the right spot, leaving it there for as long as you can until you need to pick yep. it up again. Yeah. Okay. And pick it up and put it back down. Yeah. Because a bug landing on the surface isn't a detriment, mm-hmm. right? It can be an attractor and can right. get hmm. you in it. So it, it, being able to cycle your cast quickly and easily, because... Doing those 90-degree bends, like picking up when it's way back up behind the boat and then trying to put it downstream, that's tiring. It's tough, too. Yeah, and you'll tangle up and you'll It's just time you can yourself. have in water. Yeah, it's exactly. time to be efficient. Be efficient. So that's step two. The other thing about this whole thing is never forget the boat is chasing. Boat is moving. Even when you're making a cast, the boat is still moving. Mm-hmm. Right? Your fly line is in the air and you think you've got it lined up. Yeah. Well, you're still getting closer. Yeah. Especially in that big water, right? Mm-hmm. This is what you're so saying. Can, the, the boat's can, always getting closer. Yes. Okay. The boat is getting closer to the fly. If the fly is stationary, the boat's getting closer to the fly. But as you're moving down the bank, your target hole 
you're getting close to that. Even while that cast is unrolling in the air, you think you've done your job? Right. Oh, keep an eye on that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because now, by the time it lands, if you're in some really fast outside bends, like, say, the big tall bank at Cotter um, or Whitehall, you may, be, you may be five feet closer. By the time it's by, by the, the time, time it it's there. On the wow. yeah. Yeah. so you got to make these adjustments. Same as if the fish eats. Like the worst thing you can do is set on a fish, get tight, and then do nothing. Mm-hmm. You got to keep stripping because that fish can stay there. Oh, you're getting, getting close. closer, yeah. right? And if he swims at you, doubly so. Yeah, yeah I've that's never thought how, about that. That's how. That's a, and that is one of the key ways to lose fish. That fish just that fish starts sliding off the bank towards you, and he might have been going sideways. He's not really coming. Swimming straight at you. Right. He's going sideways, and that boat's closing on top of him. Yeah, and, and I'm rolling keep like it hell. Tight and, and they're, you, yeah, they're not strip. stripping in. Keep stripping. Yeah. Keep stripping. Yeah. Stay tight. Mm. Is the hook set similar to? Are we going to leave the hook set? That's a, a whole. A dry fly. That, okay. oh, so. that's a whole nother world. That's number. That's there. So number three. <laughs> okay. okay. We're still we're still back on trying to get these things into the right place on the bank. So you've got that strip of soft water we talked about down the bank, mm-hmm. and you're but. Remember, just outside of that is really fast water. Right. And yeah. you're gonna be you're gonna be crossing that. So what that does will put some weird shape in your line. Sure. Right? You'll get some bends and you'll get uh, to allow to drift cleanly, having some when the fly's on the water, you don't really want to have a tight line. Because if you have if you and I have a string, we have a tin can, we can mm-hmm. send we can talk in tin cans and send those vibrations down a tight line. Basically, anything you do at one end pops down to the other end. Gotcha. But if it's got snakes, serpentine, S-turns through it, you can pull out a whole bunch of line before your tin can gets tugged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about that when you're fishing, you right? Can, you can get Having away with S-turn, a little bit more. You can get a longer drift off the same cast if you put a little squiggle in your line. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But here is the big but. Fly casts work well when your line is tight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you try and <clears> – and here's the, the real killer on this when you try to pick up that line. If you've got a squiggly line, you've got more line on the water than the distance between you and the fly. So if you pick it up and the boat's moving down the bank fast and there's a tree coming, where do you think your fly's going to end up? Right in the tree. Ten feet up in the tree. Yeah. And now you've cast all that line straight. Yeah. And you've got closer and – we're driving into the bank, scaring all the fish. Yeah. Guide saying Go bad words under his breath. So yeah. pull some line in before you yeah, recast. Because it's, yes, yeah. get to it, get to, strip it in so you can pick it up and fire it. Gotcha. And again, there is a perfect distance for everyone. A yeah. lot of fly lines these days are coloured, mm-hmm. so you get that head. Mm-hmm. Now get that head inside, that, that colour change inside the rod tip, and generally that will suffice. That will give you a powerful cast. And it's about being powerful, tight loops, efficient put the fly where you want. Yeah. All right. Nice. So come to mending, right, that hard current line. And every time you land a fly, particularly in the bigger water, tight to the bank, there's going to be a, it's going to be crossing a current. Yeah. So you really need to mend. Okay. We've kind of done part of the aerial mend by having the fly out in front of the fly line, angled downstream. We've got a little wiggle in the line, so there's some S-turn in there. But I tell people... Mend half the line, not the fly. Go nowhere near it. Because we've trained people here for years that they can mend a thing like a thingamabobber 
and these really buoyant bobbers we have, we right. can rip them through the water and nothing happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We can toss them around. You do that with a dry fly, hey, you're pulling it away from where it needs to be. You've just done a fantastic cast under tough conditions to get the fly next to the bank and you've pulled it three feet off the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guy to want to throw you in the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've just given away your advantage that you've created for yourself. Um, second step is, you know, that that those hard men's drown your fly, right? So it's not going to float right. Yeah. Right? Um, thirdly, and, and purely and simply, if you landed at two feet in front of a fish and rip it hard through the water so there's a bubble trail, any fish that's coming up on it's going, ooh, no, I ain't eating that. That yeah. looks dangerous, yeah, you know? What, that, that? <laughs> what was that? That's not a beetle. Because <laughs> we're not talking a gentle tip skate, right? Like you can manipulate a fly to get a fish to come and eat. No, no, no. What we see all the time is this low rod tip rip. And it really screws with things. And if you're the guy in that uh, going downstream first Mm -hmm. and you're throwing your cast in there and ripping it off the bank, probably your buddy behind you, you've just screwed his day too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because these fish know. Yeah. Right? And they're like, oh, I'm a little wary. That doesn't look right. Yeah. And then the guy in the front is getting the sloppy seconds. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to eat that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you've just done the whole boat. Yeah. So, you know, you're on a very expensive guided float down the White River. Yeah. You might get a nice nice lunch and some soft drinks, but you (laughs) ain't going to catch shit. (laughs) Um, So go conservative on the men. Men half the line. Yeah. So what you're going to do is mend, mend half the line. And that will give you, as soon as the fly lands, just slide half that line, pick it up, and put it in the right, basically in the same current flow as the rest of the fly line. Yeah. Right? Where that faster moving water is. Yep. And that will give you – because you're only trying to extend it out a little bit. If it gives you another three feet and there's a fish there, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to drift it for half 50 yards like you do when you're fishing a nymph. Yeah. So that's really important. You talked about real quick – Drowning the fly if you if you mend too hard. Do you put any type of floatant, or do you are do you mostly just rely on the the buoyancy of the foam itself? Oh no, I, I treat it up. Okay. And to be honest, the best product for both. I use two. I, let me come back a step. I use two products. I will use a various sort of various sorts of silicon type pastes. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the type of the fly. The big foam bugs, I don't like using my favourite small dry fly floating, which is that Tiemco's uh, Dry Magic. Okay. Because it's just, you, it, you're going to use too much and it's expensive and yeah. it's really good. Yeah. But I'll use something, well, I gink, a quell, something yeah, like that. Gink, yeah, Right? Um, though I've actually started using um, uh, one of the, a really good product, um, we're going to be launching soon in the shop. So, well, I'll tell you when it comes out. It's a, it's a, it's a dip. Okay. And I really want to get hold of it because it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But any of these products, you want to treat something so it will shed water. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Something that's hydrophobic. But once it's been eaten by a fish, or it's been fished a while, and it's getting getting a little damp. It's starting to get you can, soggy. Yeah, you can squeeze it out in your shirt, mm-hmm. right? Just pure physical pressure, get some of that water out, sop it up. And then I'll use something like a dry shake, right? Yeah. Um, I can't pronounce the brand name, you know, shake and bake, all these types of products. And they will 
they have a desiccant in them. Um, a lot of them are just a pure desiccant, so they'll suck all that water out and you reapply your gink or whatever again and go back to fishing. Yeah. Um, there and some of them will actually have a floatant as well, that is has that hydrophobic. Oh, in the powder. In the powder. In the shake. Okay. So you can have you'll have both and gotcha. dry shakes like that. Okay. And we sell a lot of dry shake. Yeah. They go through it. Just don't breathe it in because it's miner's lung in a jar. I mean, it's silica. Oh, right. Be yeah. really careful how you deal with it. You don't want to. <laughs> Certainly not be putting it up your nose. Yeah, don't be snorting the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and between that process, right, rejuvenating it, um, you can keep flies going, but ultimately, who said at the end of their life they want to say, I, I, you know, I had too many flies? Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah. Uh, uh, give no. me the next one. Come yeah. on. Uh, it's like, keep it's it like, it's, seriously, it's like a Jones meat. <laughs> Crack. Give me, give me another fly, damn it. <laughs> Something's going to be the one that they're all going to eat. Yeah. But actually, if anyone invented the fly that they would all eat, it's just be sad. Yeah. It would take so much fun out of this sport. Yeah. It would be sad. Take a lot of the figuring out yeah. away from it. Yeah. That's the fun part. Yeah. Um, you know, trout should actually have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopper vision have lots of chances. Yeah. Um, so the last thing about this, and you asked about hook sets. So number four was mending. Number four, mend half okay. the line. Okay. Number five, wait before you set. I've made this worst mistake. Thing, worst thing in the world. This guy, that was one of the things we did last year. And we yeah. all do it. Yeah. Everyone. So I was fishing with probably the best guide who's never stayed guiding in the country, Gabe Levin. Mm-hmm. We're out fun fishing and Gabe is just a remarkable dude. Um. I love fishing with Gabe. He's so funny. I missed three fish in a row and I'm like, man, Gabe, what am I doing wrong? I, I've got to be doing something. There's something, there's something going wrong, you know. Can't be me. me I've man. waited I've waited long enough. Yeah. He said, and I, I asked him, I asked him straight up, did I, did I set too soon? And he just looked at me and he said, did you hook any? <laughs> <laughs> just about lost my shit. I, it's like... But that's the answer. Yeah. Like there is – you cannot wait too long. Like you'll get splashy rises on rainbows and, and the worst thing for any fisherman here is they get one of those brown trout eats that you whack them straight away mm-hmm. and you actually hook one because mm, yeah. it can happen. Yeah. But then it's just going to be a world of – I feel sorry for those people. It's going to be a world of hurt after. It's you're not going to catch him. I mean it's it's insane how long they have – you know, one of the because the, they validate. The you're at, saying because they validate. It validates that that quick hook set. They're going to do it habit. all. Yes, yeah. and and sometimes it can work, but in general, I'm I'm going to say at least a second and a half, and that seems like such seems a long crazy. time. Forever. <laughs> and if if that fish eats off the bank and, and, and you watch its head and it rotates out towards you, oh, wait longer. Because mm-hmm. now they're facing at you, and you're just pulling it straight out of right the mouth. Right out of the mouth. Wow. Right. So if they, the perfect one is they eat, they turn their head down. You can see them go away, and wait, wait, whack. Oh my gosh! And it's a stra- it's straight up hook. Straight set, up, just like okay. Yeah, every hook so, set straight up. So yeah. Don't give me that. Okay. Just making sure. You want to you want to sure. wind you want to wind <laughs> me up again? Yeah. None of that bullshit off the wrong shoulder hook sets. Uh, yeah. Right downstream hook sets. No, we should just throw all those Colorado guides in the river. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some here, and they're really good boys. <laughs> but it's those sort of techniques are inefficient. The most efficient way to move that fly is 
That would be a good up, shoulder. Straight just up. Like a, just like a cast. Right. Right. Keeping the body in line. Keeping it yeah. straight. Yeah. Yep. So how do you weight that line? I mean, yes. Count. Well, I mean, like the, uh, how do you get the discipline? So I'm it feels yell. like forever. I'm just going to yell so for a second and a half. In Australia, <laughs> One, <1, 000. laughs> in New Zealand, they go through the whole thing. It's, you know, God save the queen, you know. I'm, but I'm, my my background in Australia is like, no, we don't bring the royal family into it. Get that damn Union Jack off our flag. <laughs> um, but it's, I'm Irish on one side. And, um, but you you want to be... Figure out some way, some something to make you slow down and relax. And one of the best ways, just don't look at your fly. Mm. Just be staring around all over the river. Just completely yeah, lose focus. Oblivious, <laughs> couple of earplugs in, listen to some music. Yeah. And wait till, you, wait till your guide's yelling in your ear and then set. And there might be a fair chance of hooking that fish. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell those stories. They take too long. But, yeah, they're so long. Um, and, and, and then, you know... Don't just stand there and then you've hooked that fish. Mm-hmm. I know it feels good, but put that strip in because that boat's getting close to the fish whether you like it or not. Right. But it's so much fun. Yeah. Man. It's so much fun. The the discipline it takes to to see a rising fish and see like we, I remember vividly when we were out here last year with Kyle and, and he hooked what looked like a solid brown. You see that triangle shaped mouth come up out of the water. Mm-hmm. And you know immediately, like, oh man, that's a good one. Mm. And of course, I mean, you want to tell it. Like, as soon as we saw that, we were like, yeah, holy cow! I want to get Steve's input because I, I, mean, I totally missed the fish. But I'm, I'm fishing a as a cicada pattern that was probably that big. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it fit inside a fish's mouth. If that's a cicada pattern, that was about that big. Mm-hmm. How big of a fish? Oh, do you think enormous! That is? Enormous! I can tell you. Anything. So I missed I'm an guy. enormous fish it. by just pulling the pat. I mean, I pulled the cicada. Right oh, yeah. out of its mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. Just it happens all the time. It. it was my first time doing it, so yeah. And, and I totally we, understand know. it. I, I, I <laughs> understand and sympathize, but also I've seen it a bunch. It's just like it, it's a it's a stab to my heart. Mm. It's, it just reaches out of my soul. And it's oh. like oh, another one. That was oh. probably the next world record fish, though, right? Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah for sure. Right. It was. So yeah. you know, I've got we all have fish that haunt us, and I've got one of bull shells. And I did the. I was trying to run the boat and and this fish ate and it, it was way up there it was a long way up there mm. I saw it across the shoulders and it was like a big male and it's just like oh damn that's... and I went soft on it and didn't strip enough didn't keep that line tight because they will they will they won't always go crazy nuts on you yeah but they know how you know quite often they'll go this fish ran upstream a few yards I stopped it and I was fumbling with the boat trying to drive the boat as well it was lying all over the floor it's around yeah. my feet I've got a dog I've got a buddy it's, oh, it's like, chaos it's chaos <laughs> absolute freaking chaos and that fish drifted back on me and I didn't strip yeah like well I was we were both moving downstream but it was coming faster than I was and I just I got in a wrong body position and stripped that's the other thing when you're fighting that fish keep that well we talked about keeping everything in front of you I watch people and they, their feet are nailed to the floor and then they're rotating their upper body as that fish swims around the boat. What, what, the, what the hell? Mm. Why did you lose the use of your legs? Yeah. <laughs> Turn and face it and keep it, keep it so that your right shoulder is a direct line to the fish, right? Orient yourself because then, you, then you're tight. You start crossing around. You start getting out over your left shoulder and if that fish slides back that way, you're so screwed. Mm. That's basically what happened to me. Yeah. And, Were you, know, you hopper fishing that, that day? 
Yeah, I wasn't really. I was just I, – I, it was way early in the season and I picked up that – I had – I was fishing a buddy. My rig – I had two rigs going. My rig was catching fish. I handed it to him and said, I'll just throw you a hopper rod because I want to test cast this rod, thinking I'm not catching squat. Mm. And this fish rolled off a bank, came downstream, just came out and ate it. And it was <laughs> – Oh, it, it still hurts. I still I still have nightmares you about it. Keeps you up at night. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. And we all have those fish, and that's what keeps coming you back. But uh, keeps so it you makes coming you back. Yeah. Yeah. But I so badly want that fish back. Well, catching them is more fun. But that's yeah. It yeah, makes it fun. At least getting <laughs> to see them is oh for sure is a sight. But then you have to live with the the image in your head. <laughs> yeah. And I saw that this fish wasn't very deep I'm under the surface, and it was, yeah. Man. There's a photo of Ben Levin. Ben Levin is one of those guys, those two guys I, I mentioned, who've got a 30-inch fish mm-hmm. on a hopper with a client. Mm. Um, I'm lucky enough to be the other one, and this fish was every bit in that sort of size range. Wow. In fact, it was it was bigger than my 30. My 30 was really clean. Mm-hmm. Um, it ate a cicada, uh, an annual cicada. Um, there's a photo on the shop wall, that 30, and it's it was... Ben's, I think, is a more impressive fish because it was a bigger male. Mm. They're both great fish. Like, don't get me wrong. They're yeah. both insanely yeah. good fish. I mean, you know, a 12-pound, 13-pound fish on yeah, a you can't dry fly. <laughs> it's like <laughs> my life is dumb. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that that's awesome. But that one of Ben's, that big male, it's just I look at it and just go, dear God, yeah, one day. Oh, my gosh. We got to stop by the, the shop and yeah, see that, see on the that way picture. Out. I saw one. Um, I think Meat Eater wrote an article with Ben was the guide when he took out some lady. It was yeah. her first time fly fishing ever, and I think they caught it on a caddis pupa. And yeah, it was a so thirty was, plus fish, yeah, thirty one inch male, and the, they were fishing a. Like the fishing wasn't great, and we're all scratching around trying to find some fish, and because Ben had a beginner, he pulled up in and was fishing a little creek outflow. It was almost, it was kind of anchored up, mm-hmm. like just teaching. Yeah. And they hooked one rainbow and landed it and then they, this is one came along and he was fishing a two-fly rig, so he's fishing a caddis and a midge. Yeah. And he hooks a rainbow and dancing around. Next minute, this beast came out. And there's there's been a couple other big ones caught this year. They're like this year, there's been a lot of those bigger browns hitting mm. flies, holding onto flies. Um, um, Brock Dixon's got one. Matt Milner's got, mm-hmm. had one. Uh, they almost got to the boat the other day. Brock landed his, but Ben's fish, the midge, has got stuck. The rainbow trout has eaten the front fly. The midge has got stuck in the brown trout's mouth. Oh. So they've actually landed it on the fly in the mouth. So Legal. The, the brown was coming after the rainbow. The brown ate the rainbow. Now, whether oh. it actually swallowed it totally or it disappeared, because <laughs> often, you know, you, you hear stories about, oh, it had a brown trout hanging out, it had a rainbow trout out of its mouth, hanging yeah. out of its mouth yeah. for these bigger browns. And that's really a regurgitation, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. They, they're, they're expending so much effort and energy, they've puked up that big meal they've had. Gotcha. But this fish... Oh, I never saw the rainbow trout again, but the they actually managed to land that, and that was just only Ben. Only That's ben. amazing. He, he did, did. I'm I'm lucky enough to work with a bunch of really good guides. Yeah, who I would fish with in a heartbeat. I mean, uh, one of your guys, Mike Sexton, just placed fifth in the world. Yeah, yeah, right? and, and and at the world championships. And yeah, I'm excited to hear that story. I saw that on your journal the other yeah, day, and yeah, yeah, reached so, out to Mike. Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, 
and there's so many good guides amongst there. Everyone is is exceptional. And there's ex- other exceptional guides, not just with us mm. on this river, because it breeds. You've got to be good to survive here. Mm-hmm. But Ben is one of the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He's phenomenal. I, I love yeah, fishing awesome. with Ben and he's so funny as well. But it, it only Ben, I don't know if I'm that lucky. I don't know if I could coach someone to do that. I've thought about it. <laughs> what would you do? Like, like a day one client. That. Day one client a with 30 a 30 plus. Oh. Oh. That's amazing. Yeah. It's probably the reason that she was able to land that is because she just didn't probably know how big of a fish that was. Oh, yeah. Was. Well, you got to look at the photo and there's just this total, like Ben is. <laughs> Just, you can see the emotion Beaming. bubbling over. <laughs> and she's got this look like, yeah, that's really cool. Now, cool. can I, what are we doing next? Yeah. <laughs> we keep fishing. It's like, no, yeah. you're, you should be done. You're done. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the, the only fish you ever catch. You've made it. Yeah. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. And it, it couldn't happen to a nicer dude. And a, a nice lady too, by that, for yeah. that matter. Um, they were a great couple. Um, but that's this place. Yeah. Like, it is just, stuff happens here like it happens in few other places in the world and that's why I still keep living here because you don't get bored. Yeah, right? that's why that's we so love it. Fun. That's why yeah. we're willing to drive three yep. hours to get over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and and you mentioned too, if, if you, someone were to find a fly that worked for everything, it would take a lot of the fun away because you can spend, from what I've gathered and you tell me, but you can spend your whole life out here and and still learn things when you're going out and, and still trying to figure things out as you come out here. I haven't figured out if that's correct or I'm just a slow learner. Okay. But I've been here for I've been here for fifteen years and stuff keeps just evolving and changing and some of it is some of it is what's happening in the water. Like our sulfur hatch, I haven't seen it this good for probably Oh man. I'm trying to think when the last good really good one was like twenty thirteen. Okay. And I say that and I'm still surprised that I've been here that long. Like I have guiding now is a longer career than journalism was. Yeah. But it's things like that, like we had, you know, we played around with salmon flies for a while, but that scene still faded. There was a bunch of salmon flies here on this river and we were like kind of keeping that underground. Mm-hmm. But they were popping up a whole bunch, but they seem to have gone away. They may come back and resurge because mm-hmm. it looked like the sulfurs were going to be done. Some of the, the big uh, floodgate releases... Um, 2011 and then 2016, it kind of really kicked the sulfurs in the ass. Yeah. But they've come back. You know, mm. nature finds a way. Yeah. And we don't know. This river is so young ecologically. It's only 50 years old. Yeah. And Crazy. that we don't know what's going to evolve here and where it's going to go. But what we need to do is, you know, make sure we've got good quality water, um, clean water. <sighs> Work with work with the authorities if we could to try and get some some better fishing water. Mm-hmm. Don't want to say you know I don't want to kick people too much because there's competing demands here. But yeah, who knows what this could you know, yeah what this could be if you actually had stable water flows all the time. Right, probably a lot easier to fish and maybe not so much fun. But you know to get some better bug growth. Because the caddis hatch and the the sulfur hatch this year were unbelievably world class, mm. like as good as you'd go anywhere and see it. Um, the hopper fishing is phenomenal. It's probably not as much of a numbers game, but the, your upper limits are, are, are such that it's spectacular. Yeah, and you can catch a stream lot of fishing, more quality fish. Yeah, yeah. And it's stuff just keeps evolving and changing, and it's it's really cool to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Okay, I want to I want to revisit all the points you just did. Let's go rapid fire. Just summarize kind of the the five points we made um, for for our listeners to <laughs> to try to just wrap it up. All right, and then let's go try it out, and then let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go fishing. All right, that should be the first thing. Go fishing. Yeah. Go, all right. Get so. The water. You're gonna have to edit this in a little bit. Okay. All right, so let's go through the let's go through the five things to make hopper fishing easy. Your stance is your key. Okay. Right? Keep everything in front of you. Don't let the line get back up behind you. Pick up and cast frequently. Put it keep putting in the spot. Three, strip in before you cast. Get that line a little bit tight so you can cast the best cast you can make, because this stuff's hard enough on its own. Number four, mend half the line and half the line only. Don't mend the fly, just the line soon as that fly lands. And number five, wait. Wait. Wait a little bit more and then set the hook. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, hopefully on the end, you'll find yourself connected to what um, my Smith Optics rep once called an electric brick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an electric brick. That's a good name. Yeah. That's when they don't move. Yeah. You can just feel they're alive and yeah. you know you've got yourself a really good white river oh, fish. Oh, man. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You, you've been incredibly generous with the information um, that you've gained and earned from fishing this river for so long. And so, um, if you're lucky, it's even right. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to try it out. <laughs> I'm going to trust you that you know what you're talking about. But for for our listeners, I, I want to encourage you guys. Obviously, Steve has has opened up the book a little, uh, on this stuff, and um, just want to encourage you guys. Next time you're over this way, make sure you stop in the fly shop. Um, find Steve. If you can't find Steve, tell just find someone and say thank you for, for what they do. Um, hire them to guide. Yeah, buy some flies, book a trip. Um, and, and if, you know, all this information is great and it, and it should help you as you're out on the water, but there's really no substitute, I think, than actually booking a guide and, and getting to be yeah. and spend time with someone who knows what they're doing and can, can really show you. It's yeah. one thing to hear it, but to actually put in the time on the water with someone is, is where you're going to learn the most. Yeah, it's, and for me, that's how I that's how I learned so fast was fishing with guys that's so much better than me, and you know that's that's part of it. If you can find someone to fish with, whether it's a buddy or um, you know uh, a guide, I love you to say a guide, but I mean you can fit, come and fish more often. Yeah, like just just go fishing. To hell with it. Yeah, Absolutely. work sucks. You'll live a longer life if you fish more. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that statement. Yeah, I, I support that hundred <laughs> percent. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Steve. Uh, appreciate, no worries, boys. appreciate the time. Always good hanging out with you, catching up. Um, if y'all like this episode, make sure you share it with a buddy, share it on social media, and let us know you liked it by leaving the podcast a five-star rating or review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is hosted by Kyle Veet, co-hosted by Adam Treese and Kyle Plunkett, and produced by Daniel Matthews. Thanks for listening. Until next time.